My name is Anthony P. Richards. I'm a pastor and I started this podcast channel to equip, encourage, inspire and challenge you to passionately live to your potential in Christ through the Word of God. For more information, you can go to my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Holidays. I don't know about you, but when I grew up, I always enjoyed holidays, but I always really loved holiday seasons. And I think that's the difference between Christmas holiday and holidays than other times of year. We have lots of holidays during the year, but there's a difference with the season. I loved the opportunity for the season at the end of the year where I just kind of get a little bit of wind in my sails, particularly when it'd been a tough year. And I, I had a, a, I had a, quite a few tough years as a kid growing up with issues with my mother and things that, she, you know, she had a lot of mental illness and it, it caused a lot of issues in our home. And, and home life was tough. And some years it was really tough. Uh, and I know some of you have had a really tough year this year. I know a lot of you have had a really tough year this year. And I know for me, I used to just look forward to the season where I'd have a bit of wind blowing in my sails. In other words, I, I would stop thinking about the negative of what was going on in my life and I actually had something to look forward to. And, and that expectation of having something to look forward to would breathe air into me. And all of a sudden, start to have a different perspective and a bit of a different attitude. You know, this year, we've been reminded of all the negative this year. You, you, you don't have to go very far to find out the negative. But I can tell you the positive. Let me, let me tell you, let me breathe a couple of easy things into you today that will help you understand that God wants to put some air in your sails today. You know, most people in the history of the world who have ever gotten sick have gotten better. That's a statistical fact for thousands of years. Yeah, there you go. Number two, I don't know who's going to be president in February 2021, but I tell you what I know. I know that whoever it is, God will have either caused that person to be president or He will allow that person to be president. Either way, He'll be over it. So that's positive. That breathes a little air into my sails right now. So some of you should stop watching and reading news websites because it's sucking your air out like a massive Dyson vacuum cleaner. So just stop it. You know, I think about Christmas season. I think about all the bizarre things we do in the Christmas season that we don't do any other time. Okay, most people on social media, I'll give you an example. Most people on social media, and uh, which kind of has been refined this year to really where you just post photos of you and your family because that's about the only thing nobody can get upset about. And so you post photos. But then we get to this time of the year, and what do we do with those exact same photos that, that everybody we know has seen? We get them and we pay money to have them printed on a card. And then we, say, we send that same photo on a printed card to all the people who have already seen the photo. And we say, Merry Christmas, and I spent money sending this photo to you. Of course, I didn't write on it because that would mean I really cared. So we, so we, so we get this, we, we do these strange things. We have white elephant gift exchanges. We don't have a white elephant gift exchange on July 4. We don't do it in January 26th, that's Australia Day. 
We don't do that. You know, where you all sit around and you can't wait to see who's going to open the taxidermied squirrel that you paid lots of money to have and you just want to see the look on their face when they open it. We don't do that any other time. That's a real thing, by the way. There's a life group in our church that has a stuffed squirrel. I tell you, people need deliverance. It's a real ministry need. What else do we do? We reflect, we reminisce. We get to this season, we start to think about life. We call people who live a long way away. Now, we live in a world of technology. You can call those people anytime you like. But what is it about, about the Christmas season that all of a sudden we're like, you know, i got to call that person. You've got to call them anytime, but now you call them. And what do you do? You tell them two things. You tell them the things that are new and you tell them the things that have stayed the same. You say, oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, just want to let you know. Yeah, got a new job this year. Yeah, really, you know, it's going so well. My, my you know, wife's doing this now. My husband's doing that. And yeah, this is new. And then people go, oh, and how are the kids? And you go, yeah, yeah, same kids. New job, same kids. Tried getting rid of the kids. <laughs> Dropped them off. They kept finding their way back home. It was really frustrating, but we kind of figured that that was God's way of telling us we should keep them. Where did it all start? Well, you're not going to be surprised to maybe know that it started with God. And it started in a place that maybe you've never realised where holiday season started. It started in creation in Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. God creates the heavens of the earth. And then what does he do? Creates light. Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from night. Let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. Now, the Hebrew word there used for seasons is the Hebrew word moed. Moed. Now, moed means a sacred season, a set feast, an appointed season. It can also be translated to mean the word festival, which means that God, when He created the earth, and said, let there be light. One of the ways that he wanted to light up our lives was to do so using holiday seasons. He wanted us to have these rhythms of life so we would know the difference between work days and rest days. That was the whole point of creation. He worked for six days and on the seventh day, what did he do? What most of you are doing right now, sleeping. He rested. A little bit of interaction, people. He rested. That was the rhythm that he set up. Holidays. Don't you think that's amazing that the holiday season was part of creation? That's how important it has always been to God. Now, where did the word holiday come from? It was, uh, we used, we actually used to be call them holy days until about 1000 AD, so about a thousand years ago, and that was shortened into the word holiday, but it came from holy day. And God used these rhythms to establish a pattern for us that has not changed. Malachi chapter three, God said, I'm the Lord your God, I do not change. So if God hasn't changed, why, why have we changed how God operates in our lives? He hasn't changed. So in order for us to live our lives the way that our Creator intended us to live, we have to have the same patterns and the same rhythms that He intended us to have. Now, if you go to Israel, uh, they, they have patterns down weekly. You have, you have Shabbat, which is the, that's the, the celebration of the Sabbath, starts at sundown on 
uh, Friday night and it finishes at sundown on Saturday night. And it fulfills a weekly human need for rest and reflection. Now, let me, I want to answer a question because a lot of people go, well, how come it's Sunday? Why is Sunday the holy day? But, it, you know, why do we have church on Sunday and not Saturday? Well, started with the early church who decided that Sunday would be a better holy day because that was the day that represented the resurrection. So they figured, well, you know what? Jesus was crucified on a Friday. He rose again on the Sunday. So we should probably make Sunday. But it doesn't matter which day you choose. What matters is that we have a day of worship we have a day of remembering, we have a day of rest, and we center on Jesus. That's what it's all about. All right, now, I've got to be honest with you. Jewish people, they've got this way better nailed than we do. Um, when, you, when, you, when you're in Israel and you get to Shabbat and the sun goes down, everything stops, like everything. You, you can't go anywhere, do anything. And even when you go into a hotel, um, you don't even press all the buttons on the, on the lift. That's, that's the real word for elevator. You get in and it's, and it's a real bummer if you're staying on the 43rd floor because that lift is going to stop at every floor because they don't want you to work by pressing the button. They want you to rest. See, we, we, we kind of look at that and go, oh, that's taken a little far. But I think God wants us to have that kind of rest. That's the rhythm that he wants us to live in. Now, let's have a look at some of the the rhythms that God created in the Old Testament for people. And I want you to, as I'm saying these, I want you to be listening to them and see if you can pick up a common theme as I'm going through what these uh, different rhythms of, and this was just for each year, okay? Each calendar year, this is what, what these are the rhythms. The first day that they were supposed to celebrate was Passover. That was where they would then remember that the angel of death had passed over their houses when they were, you know, the plagues in Egypt. And that they were to remember that it was the blood that atoned for their sins and allowed the angel of death to pass over. The Feast of Unleavened Bread actually followed immediately the seven days after Passover. And that was where God said to the, the, to the children of Israel, I want you to remember that when I asked you to leave Egypt, I wanted you to not take any leaven in your bread. I didn't want you to have, you know why? Because leaven represents sin. I don't want you to take sin with you. So I only want you to eat leavened bread, unleavened bread. Then you have the feats of the first fruits. And that took place at the beginning of harvest, still in the springtime. It remembered uh, their gratitude and their dependence upon God. Acknowledged that God had actually delivered them out of Egypt and actually did take them to the promised land. Then there was Pentecost which just is a Greek word, which means 50th. And it was the Feast of Weeks that followed Pentecost. That was 50 days after the First Fruits Festival. And that was to remember to always be grateful to God for everything they had. Then there was the Feast of Trumpets. That was on the first day of July, the seventh month in the fall. And that was to remember that everything that God had done in the agricultural season and that now he needed to, he'd kind of taken care of their physical needs. Now he needed to take care of their spiritual needs. God only could atone for their sins. So then they would have the, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths or Little Houses is what it's called. And that was the seventh and final feast. And that happened after the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement was the day 
when the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and he will have done everything he was meant to do. And that was where they were meant to remember that it's only through the right sacrifice can your sins be atoned for. That's the only way could the sins be taken care of. Now, the, the Feast of the Little Booths uh, had its name from remembering that when they were on the journey to the promised land, that God took care of them. So what they would do is they would, just for that week, and they still do this now, they create little booths out of palm trees outside their normal homes, and they live in that for a week to remind them that God took care of them as they were going on their journey to the promised land. What do you notice about this rhythm? It's all about one thing, remembering, remembering. Now, people say, well, are we supposed to keep the feasts of the Old Testament? I'm very confused, Pastor. I didn't see what, you know. Okay, let me just help you out with that one. Colossians chapter two, Paul says, let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. So we don't need to keep them in order for them to fulfill their original purpose. But there's nothing wrong with you if you wanna keep them. In fact, they might help you and I actually have a little bit of a better rhythm of remembering. See, we need to have a pattern of remembering that doesn't just focus around the Christmas season. It's meant to be a, a, just a way of life. And then Jesus came and he became our atonement, shed his blood, the final blood sacrifice, and then Jesus said, now actually, I want you to remember something different. So we know what they've been instructed to remember in the Old Testament. What did Jesus say they should remember? Well, he had his last supper and took communion. And in Luke chapter 22, he took the cup, gave thanks. Take this, divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. He took bread, gave thanks and broke it, gave it to them and saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. That's the regular rhythm. When we take communion, we're meant to remember Jesus. Now, we're not meant to just like literally remember Jesus. Like, oh yeah, I'm just remembering Jesus. Yep, Jesus was a person. No, it's remembering what Jesus did for you. That's what you're meant to remember. What did Jesus do? I love when, when I go to Israel, we, we visit a first century tomb in Jerusalem. And we do communion there. We don't actually really know the tomb that Jesus was laid in. This very well could be it. There's, there's one that's celebrated as the tomb, but we don't really know. But I love just taking a group of people there and doing communion and we just remember. If you've been with me, you know it's a very special time. It's that time of just remembering. See, we're meant to remember Jesus. Spiritual rhythms that God created for us in the Old Testament, what Jesus created, they are to remind us that God through His Son, Jesus Christ, has the power alone to transform our lives. Nobody else, nothing else can transform our lives. Second Corinthians chapter 3, But we with all unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. I want to read to you a great quote from a, 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 an author by the name of Ruth Barton in her book, Sacred Rhythms. And I don't quote a lot of authors, but I just thought this quote was just brilliant. 
okay? She said, I can, I think we actually have it up there. I cannot transform myself or anything else for that matter. What I can do is create the conditions in which spiritual transformation can take place by developing and maintaining a rhythm of spiritual practices that keep me open and available to God. So the rhythms of our life are a way for us to remember that we have already experienced God's transforming power. Now, if you and I want God to work in us and continue to work in us, then this is the rhythm we need to have. That's what, we're going to, that's what we need to do this holiday season. Because holidays are used by God to stop us living the crazy lives we live. Because that's what we live. We live crazy pace. We stretch our finances too far. We, 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 we stretch everything further than it should go. And we don't have any time for contraction. We don't have any time for just allowing God to settle in our lives. Now, here's some practical things that we can remember this holiday season, and I have nine of them, okay? Now, the reason I'm telling you there's nine is for the note takers, you're going to be like, that's nice. And for the clock watchers, you're going to be like, nine? Nine? What time's this service finish? I don't know if I can give God more than 60 minutes on a Sunday. (laughs) Oh, I just sense a spirit of conviction coming over the house of God right now. Number one, remember where every cent in your bank account came from this year. Whether you have a little or a lot, remember where it came from. Deuteronomy 8.18, you shall remember the Lord your God for it is He who gives you the power to get wealth. You may not have grown wealthy this year, but every cent you have is because God gave you the power to have it and to pay whatever bills you've paid and to sustain whatever you've sustained this year. Number two, remember every wonder He has already done. He's done them, maybe you've just forgotten about them. First Chronicles 16, remember his marvellous works which he has done, his wonders and the judgment of his mouth. Number three, remember his mercies. See, God has withheld so much punishment from you and I this year that we actually deserve and he's withheld it. Lamentations chapter three, through the Lord's mercies, the withholding of punishment, We are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in Him. Number four, remember who your Saviour is. Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Paul had to remind Timothy about my gospel because there became a whole lot of different my gospels. And Paul said, no, the difference between mine and everybody else's is mine's focused on Jesus. My gospel, my because the word gospel just means good news. So there was a whole lot of good news being spread at the time of Jesus. Paul said, no, no, I want you to remember the true gospel, which means it's centred on Jesus. That's what you need to remember. Number five, 
Remember all the words of encouragement that God has spoken to you this year as you've read your Bible, you've done your devotions, you caught up with somebody for coffee, they encouraged you, they said something to you, you felt better when you left. Remember those times, they were gifts from God. God gave you those people. Revelation 3, remember therefore how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. Okay, number six, remember to say thank you to the friends that have helped you this year. No doubt either you have helped a friend or you have been helped by friends. I know that's been my experience this year. I've done both. And we are to remember that God put people in our lives so that when we stumbled and fell over, we had somebody to pick us up. And then when somebody we know stumbled, we were there to pick them up. And we should remember that. Why? Because Ecclesiastes chapter three, uh, chapter four says this. Now, this is a verse that's often applied to weddings, but it actually was originally in the, in the context of friendship, which is why we do talk about it at weddings, because, uh, you know, when you get married, that should be your new best friend. You know, if you're married and you're like, oh, yeah, my best friend, and you're talking about somebody else, uh, we need to do some counselling. Okay. Two are better than one because they have good reward for their labour. If they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls for he has no one to help him up. No one. There's no one. No one. But we don't have no one. We have people. We have friends in our lives. Who's sitting with a friend this morning? You're sitting with a friend. Okay, you're sitting with a friend. Okay. There you go. Okay, Amanda, I want you to say thank you to Beth right now. Beth, say thank you to Amanda. There you go. Oh, look at that. Hugging it out, front row, masks are on. It's all good. <laughs> Make sure that you take time to say thank you. Remember, number seven, remember to celebrate the things that should be celebrated. We can always find things to celebrate, always. Philippians chapter four, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Philip, Psalm 150 verse two, praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Number eight, remember to weep for those things that have caused us mourning and to dance for those things that we should dance about. See, Ecclesiastes Solomon, he says, there's a season for everything. And he says, there's, there's, a, there's a time to weep. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn. There's a time to dance. That's why we do the empty chair service. It's an appropriate time to remember and mourn. David, uh, he was a great example of this. In, in, in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 6, and the Ark of the Covenant gets brought into Jerusalem and he's dancing. He's just, he takes off all his clothes. He actually wasn't naked. He just took off all his robes. He actually had his nightgown on, you know, but the story sounds way better if we talk about David dancing naked, okay? But he's dancing around and he didn't care. And people were like, look how glorious the King of Israel was today, uh, dancing around. He said, why should I not dance when the presence of God is coming into Jerusalem? And then six chapters later, he's watching the death of his own young son and he's weeping day after day after day that God might not heal his son. 
And then after his son dies, he then dances again because he says, no, you know what? There's no point in me weeping anymore because he's gone to be with God and one day I will go to be with him. And that's something to dance about. See, that's the rhythm of life. Sometimes we have weeping. Sometimes we have dancing. Jesus, you know, one, one of the greatest days for Jesus, you would imagine, would be the last day that we would have thought that he would be weeping was a week before his crucifixion. And he comes down from the Mount of Olives and he's coming down the road there to the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and, and there's, they're putting palm trees on the ground. He's on the donkey and they're singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're like, we, we know who you are. And he gets halfway down the hill and he stops and he looks at the city of Jerusalem and he just starts to weep. He starts to weep for the city that he loves and that he's, he knows all the broken people there. Remember to weep, remember to mourn and remember to dance. Number nine, remember to laugh and get some joy in your life. Never have we needed this more than now. Psalm 126 verse two, then our mouth was filled with laughter, our tongue with singing. And they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. Proverbs 15, a glad heart makes a happy face. Some of you haven't had a happy face for quite a while. It looks like this. This is a happy face. This is not a happy face. This is a face that says, I'm just getting through. Maybe God can help me. I don't know. <laughs> he can. He has. He will. He'll keep doing it. And you and I have some joy because of it. So we get a happy face. A glad heart makes a happy face. A merry heart does good like medicine, Proverbs 17. Ultimately, we have to remember all the things that God has done. I think sometimes we just need to take a bit of a pause on asking God for more and just say thank you for what you've already done. See, God has transformed your life and my life. And it's time to stop and remember and say thank you. Thank you, God, for what you've done in my life. That's what causes us to think differently. Romans 12 says that you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How is your mind renewed? Part of having a renewing mind is remembering what God has done. So the next time you encounter those circumstances, you think differently. That's how your mind is renewed. The, the Romans 12 it's a great passage, I just quoted from it. But I want to read to you from the message version of Romans 12. Now, again, just to be super clear, I never create theology or doctrine out of the message. I just use it for flavour. That's all I do. And I love the flavour that this adds. Let me read it to you. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, walking around life. Place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognise what He wants from you. Quickly respond to it, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in 
you. Some of us are very ready for this year to be totally done. We're very ready to take our ordinary everyday 2020 and place it before God and say, there you go, God. And by the way, you can keep it. I don't want to ever see it again. But here's the thing. God has done great things this year. God is still God. And we are meant to remember because we were created to remember and God created light so that we would remember to remember. That's how God refreshes us. That's how He brings out the best in us. I know it's been a tough year, but I thank God for His faithfulness. I thank God that He sustained me. I thank God that He has allowed me to be here. I thank God that He has allowed you to be here. Thank God that He's allowed us to be in a place where we can even say thank you. That's an amazing place to be in, where we just have the opportunity to say thank you, God. Listen, some of you have had great years. I know a lot of my friends, they've had like, you know, in certain industries, it's been their best year ever. I know other people in other industries and friends of mine, it's been their worst year ever. But we're still friends and we still help each other and God's still on the throne and God still provides all our needs according to His riches in glory. That's something to remember. Maybe you don't know Jesus. You're going to have an opportunity in a, in a few minutes here to give your life to Jesus because if you don't know Jesus, that's going to be your high of 2020. 2020's high for you is going to be you coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what's going to be the pinnacle of your 2020. But right now, I want to pray that we will remember what we need to remember to allow this season to really bring a thrill of hope because we all want a thrill of hope, don't we? We just don't know how to get it. Well, the Bible's way is to remember. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that we would remember now all the amazing things that You've done in our life. God, that we wouldn't just remember the negative, God, but God, we would remember the positive. We'd remember all the things that You have done to, to shape us. God, where You've provided for our needs, where, Lord, You have supplied friends, You've supplied food, clothing, shelter in our lives. And we take time to reflect and remember on those things. We remember Your mercies, God. Those times when we did some dumb things this year, Lord, and we deserve punishment, but You withheld that from us because of Your mercy. Great is Your faithfulness. Your mercies are new every morning. God, I pray, Lord, for those people who've not had a glad heart or a happy face for a long time. I pray, Lord, right now, You just remind them Lord, of the perspective of putting You first and the God that that would bring happiness to their face and do good like a medicine to their soul. In Jesus' Name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more content, please don't forget to check out my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Have a great day.